If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It is the Full Court Press, and it is a Friday. Happy Friday to you one and all, wherever and however you are doing. It's a Friday. It's a Friday. Woo! 106 and FM, it. 1390 AM, The Fan, and 106andthefan.com if you're streaming. Happy to have you wherever and however you're joining us. 401 is your kickoff time here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Andre Salveson, glad to have you wherever you are uh, at, in the garage or at home or on your computer Getting ready to tweet something nasty to Eric about his comparison yesterday. Uh, a big thank you to all our wonderful oh. listeners yesterday. I thought you were phenomenal uh, from tweets to text messages. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of our show. We are glad to have you whenever and however and whatever your opinion is. We'd love to discuss it. So uh, it was Hot Take Thursday yesterday. I think we got that out of us, I hope. Uh, and now we move Why? on to what? Why do you think you? Why do you want it to be out? Okay, you comparing? Maybe he just started something. You comparing Jason Shelley as the next Eric Weddle? All I said, you, and we, I went, we went back and listened to it, dude. And Piranhas, dude, Piranhas is amazing. I love Piranhas. All Thank we you. said, all I said was, switching positions works out for some guys. Hey, like it. Now you out know for what it's Eric like Weddle. to say. Now, now you know what it's like to say something stupid and get. <laughs> What is that called? Get host for it. Uh, nine three one five text into our show. Our loyal listener nine three one five. Grateful for uh, you uh, always joining our show. He says, "Do you think conferences like the Pac twelve are just doing conference only schedules on purpose because they don't want to have to pay teams like Utah State with their game against Washington and pay the Aggies one point five million without fans on the stands? Could we see a change in that idea and see them maybe play no or excuse me non non conference games?" Or does money rule the game? In college football, money will, has, and always will rule the game. Plain and simple. Yeah, I think there's still some question. I haven't, I haven't seen a, a, a quality answer yet for those schools that had games, uh, guaranteed money games scheduled against Big Ten or Pac-12 schools, if they will still get their, their uh, payout. I would be shocked, shocked if anybody got the full amount. Oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, I'd be stunned. In, it would not surprise me if they tried to claim a force majeure and got out of it completely. Um, and if, if so, I mean, there's a lot of athletic departments that are going to be already hurting, but that's just going to make it even worse. So well, I... I they're very... To answer your 9315's question, I think that very well could be a part of the discussion. Um, although Big Ten is not hurting for cash. <laughs> Neither is the SEC. Yeah, so the fact that they made the decision earlier on, well, they may be trying to preserve you know, their golden toilets as much as they, yeah, sure. they have in the reserves. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily just a money uh a decision motivated by money and, and the finances involved with it. I think that does play into it. When you, when you look at the, the conference, by and large, how many games, non-conference games they were going to play, especially with Mountain West schools, uh, that's a big uh, money savings for the Pac-12, not to pay those guarantees. I, I think they're just projecting, look, we already know uh, this virus is still very rampant in these areas. We don't know. Uh, in some of these areas, can we... Uh, it's highly doubtful we'll have fans to some 
or if we have fans in the stands, it's a fraction of what it normally is. So we know we're going to have a financial hit. Uh, do we also just delay this a little bit? Hopefully things die down a little bit more with this disease. It's a little bit more controllable. And so I think there were a lot of factors that they were looking at. And I do think that the financial aspect of it and the guaranteed payouts that they were supposed to make uh, were, were part of that. But I'm still a little uncertain about, again, that's a, I guess in air quotes, guarantee if that, uh, if that really will uh, take place for some of these schools. Paul Feinbaum actually uh, from the SEC Network talked about how right now in the way it's constructed, it is every conference for itself. We have every league out there for themselves. I mean, you have the Ivy and, and five or six or seven or eight more saying we're going to play in the spring. You have the, the Power Five saying we will play only conference in the fall. I mean, I've never in, in 40 years of covering college football seen such dysfunctionality. And then, by the way, he also has a very bold comment about the president of the NCAA. First of all, it was nice of Mark Emmert to come out of the witness protection program yesterday to let us know what we should all know about the college football season. He is the president of the NCAA. He makes three and a half million dollars a year. And him telling us there's a problem is like a meteorologist telling us uh, during a hurricane that it's raining outside. Uh, he has had a complete, uh, he is a complete abject failure at leadership. He's, he's been derelict in his duty. And quite frankly, I think you should be fired. Wow. You said hot takes were done. Yeah. Uh, that, by the way, could get him in serious trouble. Because you can't be on the SEC network and then say that the president <laughs> of the NCAA should be fired. Yeah, But you know what? He is absolutely correct. But the problem is that the NCAA has allowed this to happen. And this started years ago. Decisions they made a long time ago led to the chaos that's ensuing right now. There is no leadership when it comes to college football with NCAA. It's everybody for themselves. It's been that way for a long time. It's just gotten worse. And now all of a sudden with this pandemic, uh, everybody's doing what they can to, uh, to, to cover what they have and do what's in their own best interest. Rather than the NCAA saying, as a group, as a body, this is the direction that we're going to go. Nobody recognizes the NCAA for its authority. That's why they, 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 we prefer to call them Power Five, but they prefer to call themselves the Autonomous Five. And it bothers me when the Mountain West starts using that same phrase, Autonomous Five. It, they're letting them have their own control and their own power. And it, it, it's just getting us closer to the, to the point where these, these programs break away and they're no longer part of the NCAA. And if it does happen, which it probably will, it's only the NCAA's fault. Leadership, the lack thereof from guys like Mark Emmert. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I was reading a conversation on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll read it to you off air because I don't want to read it on air without, without going through you first to see if we can talk about it on air. Um, you know, but you're right. But, here, but the other thing to it is, though, Eric... No one planned for this, man. No one planned for a pandemic to happen. And now everyone in March or in April said we'll be back to normal by June. July at the latest, June. Well, here we are in now mid-July, just past the midway point of July. And still no answers. Still no decisiveness. Still, what are we going to play? Are we going to play? 
what's, you know, in fact, you know, Coach Anderson had his kids in on Monday. They were told to go back to individual workouts Tuesday. Wednesday, they were told that he can go back to team workouts again. Like, it has been on and off the whole entire time. There was no consistency because of this COVID-19 situation and the NCAA trying to handle it. I just feel like the the unknown is what's stopping the NCAA. And that's what's scaring them off the most. But they also understand how much income and money comes in through football, and they want that money. But it's just it's it's tough right now. I don't, I don't blame Mark Emmer. I gotta be honest with you, man. I just I, it's too hard to know what's gonna happen. It, it, sure, and I understand that aspect of it. But he's been he's been absent in all of this. Has he though? Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. I get it. Like the statement that they put out was a, "Hey, good luck, Power Five commissioners. Make decision that's best for your conference and go from there." I that I get it. that that would have bothered me too. Bothered me too as a commissioner hearing that from the president. But at the same time, the president, if he makes a decision, the commissioners don't like it. Then all hell breaks loose, and we got chaos. We got anarchy from everywhere. So then what? And it's and by the way, the blood's on Emmer's hands after that. So now, honestly, you lay it into their hands and you say, you decide what you think is best because every conference is in a different situation. Let's be honest. Every conference has a different situation going on. Well, and I understand that, and I certainly respect the idea that, look, if there are things happening in your area, you're going to know better about what's in, in the best interest of your, the safety of your student-athletes, your coaches, your staff. Uh, you're going to know what's best for you in your, in your specific area. To say that you know somebody who is very distant, far away, is trying to make decisions for you, and they have what's going on in their neck of the woods is vastly different than what's going on in yours. That can be pretty hard to swallow. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we're seeing that in a lot of different things, not just in sports. Um, but at the same time, there just it just feels like there's not much leadership going on here. It's kind of like we know this is crazy. We know it's out of control. Uh, you do your own thing. Just figure it out. Yeah. Just as long as you, you know, you start the clock and you play X number of minutes for every quarter, and you have these are the the rules for what's considered a a, a foul and what's not, and you have X number of scholarships to have on your team. Everything else, do you know? Have at it. Do your own thing. I uh, I don't know. It's again, it's a tough, tough gig to have. Um, with a lot of decisions to be made that are going to impact the game of football, but even college athletics in the future for at least the next year. At least the next year. That is a big weight to have on your shoulders, and that's why he gets paid the big bucks, but I also understand that's why Larry Scott gets overpaid. Incredibly overpaid. Well, buddy, you want to put into your $5 million office? Here we go. You, You decide what you want to do, and I'm... What they went well, conference schedule only, uh, but yeah, again, there's just too much unknown to make a decision right now. And I like conferences waiting until the end of July to be okay. Let's let's make sure we know where we stand. Let's make sure we know where COVID nineteen status is before we go out and say, "Hey, we're going to go full season," or "Hey, we're going to just play conference games," or "We're not going to have football at all." Right, because because we're now into that window where people realize that. If we don't get a hold of this, football, the sport that we love, isn't going to happen. And if it means me wearing a mask and being slightly uncomfortable when I'm in a public setting by wearing a mask, 
If that means that we can have football, I will suffer the slight uncomfortable aspect of having a mask on my face when I'm in public next to people. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not that hard. But it, I think that people have to are starting to realize that, look, if, you, if, we're, if we don't do this, if we don't get this virus under control, it's going to affect school. It's going to affect football. It's going to affect a lot of other sports. And uh, especially in, in, in large swaths of the country where football is as close to religion as religion, and maybe even ahead of religion, then uh, that's when people start to take it real seriously. Uh, really quickly, Brett McMurphy has just came out and announced that the Southwestern Athletic Conference, also known as a SWAC, We'll, can, we'll announce on Monday it is canceling fall sports. Uh, SWAC is the latest FCS league that won't play football this upcoming fall. One domino after the other, they're all starting to fall. And by the way, that does affect New Mexico State, who already lost UCLA, now loses another uh, opponent in November. Eric, I think we're going to the point where we're just delaying the inevitable, right? I mean, the further we go, I don't know how we pull this off. If we have a football season... I'm going to be st- – okay, if we have a football season, I'll be surprised. If we have a football season in the fall, I'm going to be shocked. I'm I'm hopeful. I that, don't know how you are. That, but it may be that, you know what, the, the Big Ten, they don't start football until October. But the Pac-12, maybe they start in September. Maybe, you know, they – you do a conference only, but they don't always start at the same time. So then if the Pac-12 finishes a month before the SEC, then what? I mean, do you sit and wait for bowl games for Yeah, a month? well, that poses a whole other question. Do you even have bowl games? No. Oh, no way. No way. Because those bowl games exist, A, to get the, the TV revenue and the sponsorship revenue, um, but to sell tickets to those fan bases. Yeah, I don't... you can't have fans in the stands. Yeah, which... In, they're no, not going to engineer a bowl game in for December, TV only. In December, there's no way. There's well, no way. Well, they may be all pushed into January. Well, yeah, okay, so if the game... Wait, the bowls or the games themselves? Yeah, the bowls. Yeah, they aren't going to have fans. And I don't, I don't think they're going to have bowls, period. I just don't see there is a way. Uh, well, from the gridiron to the hardwood, Sham Sinar... Charnia, whatever the fetch your name is. <laughs> Charania. You guessed wrong. Sources NBA has informed teams, quote, the decision to exclude seeding games from awards, voting ensures a fair process in which players and coaches from all 30 teams will have the same opportunity to be honored. What is he talking about? The NBA's annual performance awards, which include the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, will be based upon regular season games through March 11th when the season was suspended. Rudy Gobert's your Defensive Player of the Year then. Why? Because he shut down the NBA? Okay, calm down. That joke's getting old. I know. It's got to find ways to work. But you it like in. it. Uh, so, again, the decision is to he, exclude though? the seeding games award from awards voting ensures a fair process in which players and coaches from all 30 teams will have the same opportunity to be honored. But does it ensure I, I, a fair process? Yeah, it does. How? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that the people who are going to win those awards are likely on those teams that are going to be in Orlando Absolutely. anyway. But it. I think it at least gives those those franchises, those teams from the Delete Eight, the idea that, hey, at least we still had a shot to be involved with these things. 
And to be fair, I mean, how much is going to change in Dude, eight there's, games? There's no, how much is really going to change a in lot, eight games? A lot. Zion Williamson could have been your rookie of the year. Even if he would have been gone, came back for the last three games, and had spectacular three games, got his team into the playoffs, a lot. Defensive player of the year was probably a neck-and-neck neck race. Now, John Morant had that thing wrapped up. No way. Uh, <laughs> Defensive player of the year, I think that's a, it was a tight decision in any way. Uh, maybe the eight games helps you lean one way or the other, but uh, I think that it's just it's Rudy Gobert, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those are your front runners. No, okay, well, actually, but, sorry. So wait, Rudy Gobert probably won't win it then. Looking at stats and numbers, Giannis Antetokounmpo will probably win it running away. It may not be close. Uh, Rudy will get votes. Because the people who vote on these things um, look at more than just the, the raw stats. Because some of the things that Rudy does don't show up in a stat sheet. When guys have to pull out, if they're coming into the lane and they have to readjust their whole offensive game plan, change the play because Rudy is where they didn't expect him to be, those are things that don't show up on a stat sheet, but it's clearly because of his defensive prowess that they have to defensive change Defensive prowess, dude. De- defensively, Rudy got lazy towards the end of that whole spiel. Well, I don't know if lazy is the right term, but I think there was something going on where he didn't give it his full effort because of other reasons. Things going on between he and Donovan. Uh, Yeah, Well, and the problem is, is that... Um, the problem with it is that Rudy Gobert just was getting toasted defensively because he wasn't playing offensively, or he wasn't getting the touches offensively. So he turned around and um and would come back on defense and just never really, I don't know, just wasn't alert like he used to be. And I think there was some pouting going on. Of course, yeah, Donovan I, Mitchell I think it was too. more pouting. And I think like Giannis is just. I mean, his spark, or at least his, what did you call it? Uh, his momentum going into this whole COVID-19 situation, I thought I feel like he had the upper hand. So, uh, yeah. I. But you think that they should have waited until after these the, the seeding games? Yeah. Because you think eight games makes a huge could difference. change who is the defensive player, who is the MVP, who I, is the Yeah, man? especially the MVP. LeBron James or James Harden? Who are you taking right now? Why not Giannis? Okay, well, yeah, Giannis is in that too. Rookie of the year, Jaw or Zion? Jaw. Uh, six man of the year. And that one was a neck and neck well, race too. Yeah. And by the way, Montrez Harold just took off for a family emergency outside the bubble. He will be, he'll come back and return, but he'll have to quarantine for two weeks. That's huge. Same thing with Zion. Yep, it's a big thing for Zion. Uh, coach of the year is a tough one. Unless you're going to give it to the guy who sat there and watched LeBron James and Anthony Davis and didn't have to do anything. <laughs> That's just- I, I just think it's the most fair that you... It's an NBA award uh, based on everybody's participation, every team's participation. And so I think you go to when every team was... was when every player was involved. And if you just isolate it to those only... Only those twenty-two teams that you include those games, I think it could could skew it. I don't know that it's going to make that much of a difference. I, I think you pretty much 
had an idea who those people were going to be, who were going to win those awards. But yeah, eight games, not very many games, but somebody could make a strong case and change maybe uh, somebody's attitude a little bit. But I don't know. I just think for fairness reasons, that's why you do it when everybody was involved, when everybody was playing. Interesting. So wait, when will they announce that? That they're just gonna wait for the same day to announce it then? After the eight games or after the after the resumption of the eight games? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I don't know uh, Sham says that the league will soon announce the voting process and plan to announce the winners. Okay. Fair so, enough. Nothing real definitive there. All right, well let's take a break. Coming back, what is the Utah Jazz lineup going to look like? And can it compete with other lineups in the Western Conference with with what they have? Minus Bojan Bogdanovic. Obviously, it's going to be a catastrophic loss, a huge loss for the Utah Jazz. Do they find a way to still be on the plus side of the stat bar and get wins? Or is the loss of Bojan too much for them? Uh, we'll talk about players who have left the bubble, uh, process of coming back. Uh, how it will affect the teams as well, especially the Pelicans. Um, and uh, losing Zion is going to be monstrous for them, especially as they're trying to, I mean, they're in the thick of that race. So we'll talk about that and more here coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric France and LJ Salveson, 106 NFM, 1390 AM. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Hey, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Aj Salveson, Full Court Press, 425. It's a Friday afternoon. It's a beautiful day. Hope you are having a great Friday. Hot, toasty day. Oh, yeah, dude. It is really warm. Uh, dude, I've been working at Bear Lake, and I so I saw a photo from like two months, no, three months ago, and now, dude, I am dark. Like, it is crazy how much I tan. And I don't get sunburned, and it's fantastic. Lucky you. Hey, <laughs> uh, really quickly, I, I miss 5763. Thank you for your text, 5763. Greatly appreciate you. If you want to join into the show, you know the drill, 435-339-0321. To text in, 435-752-1069 to call in. Uh, the text message from 5763, I like this. If there is no college football, I might cry. My wife, on the other hand, she'll be happy. Anyone with me? Yeah. You know what? I oh, There is a lot yes. of very hopeful wives right now that, hey, if there's no college football, I get my husband for a whole entire there, Saturday. There are a lot of football I've widows got projects. out there. I mean, they've got lists. I mean, maybe you're 5763. Maybe your wife has got a list of projects for you that she just has ready. When they say no college football, she's going to hand you that list and say, start working. <laughs> Here you go. You got till January. Here's what we got to do on Saturdays from now on. Oh, man. 5763, we are definitely, absolutely, positively with you. Yeah, we feel your pain. Oh, yeah. Hey, but don't worry. Stay optimistic. Stay hopeful like Eric. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have college football in the fall. One thing we do know is that there will be NBA basketball. Yes. And it's going to actually start next week with scrimmages. Uh, and uh, AT&T Sportsnet, they're going to be broadcasting those. There'll be You can watch those on TV. Uh, unfortunately, for a variety of different reasons, we won't be able to have them on radio. Just the preseason games, by the way. It, these are just scrimmages. Yep, yep. We, we will have, when it comes to the restart, the eight games. we will have those. Yep, absolutely. 
But uh, there is uh, a lot of talk about this Utah Jazz team as they're in the bubble. Just uh, you know, how will they do without Boyan Bogdanovich? What's the relationship with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and everybody else? There's a lot of attention on the Utah Jazz as they come into this bubble. Uh, we've been talking about it a lot this week. The Athletic had a really nice piece about Mike Connolly. Uh, ESPN got into uh, an interesting discussion about uh, Donovan Mitchell. Can he take over games? Can he dominate? Well, now the latest article that's been put together, ESPN looked at uh, 13. I don't know why they just went with 13 and not all 22, but they highlighted 13 rosters that will be interesting to watch when NBA play resumes. And the Jazz were one of them, most notably because one of their main guys won't be there. And so what is the lineup going to look like for the Jazz? How do they handle the loss of Boyan Bogdanovich? It's really interesting. They, they're they proposing, they, they think, they're guessing, that it'll be Mike Connolly, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, and Rudy Gobert as your starting five. And honestly, I don't know how I would really do it much differently. Um... And he has him, by the way, as a plus eight. Yes. That's what shocked me the most. And, and the thing that, that still provides a really good bench unit, mostly led by uh, Jordan Clarkson, but then George Niang, as we talked about the other day, he could be kind of a surprise player for Utah, and Tony Bradley, who showed glimpses of some real improvement through the year. The, the, okay, so there's a plus side to O'Neal starting, and there's definitely a minus side to it. The plus side is that he can stand in the corner and shoot threes, and he hits, he's shooting around close to 40%. The bad news is he's got to guard every power forward, every big guy, and he is going to get dominated. Yeah, normally, he would guard uh, wings, right? Yeah. The wing players. And yeah. he did a nice and he's job great with that. with that. Oh, yeah, he's wonderful. Great. He's got great. Uh, Not out of his depth. And it's wingspan, length, yeah, and. But he's not a physical defender, and power forwards are physical with you. Uh, I don't know about that. I I have never seen him be a de- physical guy. Really? Yeah. Am I wrong? I haven't seen him help me. I haven't seen him do a Jay Crowder and put someone on their butt. But <laughs> boy, we're missing. Uh, I think that he's aggressive. I think he's in their face. I think he's all over them. Do you? I'm gonna just step off the, to the sidewalk here for just a moment. Do. Who is the one guy who is not on our team this year that we are missing the most as we go into the restart of eight games? Uh, how far back do I get to go? Just the last year. Um, man, that's a good question. Because I guess you'd have to look at Jay Crowder, Derek Favors, Kyle Corver. Yeah. He has that spot up. So you're looking at a spot up three guy in Corver. You're looking for an extra big man in Favors, and you're looking for the enforcer in Crowder. Man, that's a really, really good question. I think because of uh, Boyan being out, man, I would probably say Jay Crowder. I'm close to saying Derek Favors, but I think I'd probably lean more to Crowder just because he can. he's a 3 and D guy. He can shoot the three, and he'll defend aggressively. He can defend multiple positions. Favors could be the the guy that replaces Rudy when he goes out of the lineup, but you got Ed Davis and Tony Bradley that are kind of doing that. I don't think you have near the drop off with the Derek Favors, but 
I mean, Corver's a nice spot-up three guy, but I think you need somebody who's a little more versatile, so that's why I put Crowder ahead of him. Yeah, I'm with you. I take Crowder, then Favors, then Corver. Uh, I think Crowder, again, brings that physical presence. He's not a great shooter, but he brings a very good defensive physical presence, and I think underneath the boards, he's really good. On the offensive side, Derek Favors, I mean, you need a, you need a backup big man. right? We don't have one who's as qualified as Derek Favors was. Ed Davis really hasn't been what they thought he would be. No. Tony Bradley's still working into the transition of playing NBA basketball. It seems yeah, like. he's had some moments where, like, yeah. man, this guy's awesome. And, and then, then he has you have other games. Like, it's like, he doesn't know what he's even you doing. You should out be there. back in the G League. Yeah. Uh, I, but again, I, I, I'm scared for O'Neill to be guarding a power forward. Well, Anthony, look, look Anthony what, Davis is going to light him up. Okay, but who besides him? What other big power forwards is he going to match up against? If he had a matchup versus, would Zion be a power forward? Yeah, well, yes. Zion Williamson's going to eat him alive for 30 points if they play each other. Because Zion's going to be gone for game one. He'll be quarantining. But game two, if they were to have one in the playoffs, he'd get lit up. Um, Let's see, another guy. Clippers are going to kill him. Clippers are absolutely going to murder him. Uh, but Clippers don't have like a a tall power forward that Royce O'Neal couldn't contend with. What's Kawhi, a two? Kawhi Leonard, he'll do a two or a three. Three. So if he plays a three, what's a wing pa- player. Just so what does Paul player. George play? Same does position. He just swap it? Three, four. Okay. Uh, if Paul George plays that four spot, he's going yeah, to Yeah, Royce will probably get Paul George. And, he's, and Paul George will light him up. Um, Which means that Joe Ingles would get Kawhi. Kawhi. And I like Joe on Kawhi. I'm confident in Joe on Kawhi. Uh, and then the other problem would be uh, Dallas Mavericks. I, Joe Ingles and Paul George had some great battles oh, dude, in the playoffs, so good. And Joe had he his got way. got in his head. Joe had his way with him. So maybe <laughs> you just swap. You change the positions, who they defend. Uh, that's actually a good point. Because um, I would rather, I have more confidence in Royce O'Neal guarding Kawhi Leonard. Much more confidence in guarding Kawhi Leonard, as weird as that sounds, than Paul George. Uh, but then I think Dallas Mavericks also present a problem to to uh, Royce O'Neal. If he gets Chris Stapps Porzingis on a switch, which could happen often, dude, Chris Stapps going to have a heyday. Uh, Rudy would have Chris Stapps. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying because Chris Stapps is great from the perimeter, and Rudy Gobert's defense from the perimeter is very shaky, to say the least. So whether he gets Rudy on a one-on-one matchup, because they all play man, they hardly ever play zone, ever. Or Chris Dapp says, you know what, give me a switch on the smaller Royce O'Neal, and I can still get what I want from the perimeter. That's what scares me the most. I'm uh, just trying to think of any other teams that might present a problem. Definitely not Houston. Oh yeah, but but you know what? By the way, Houston's numbers stat wise from the back court have went up tremendously since Clint Capella is no longer a part of the team. Their plus minus has shot up because Clint Capella is not a part of the team. That amazes me, and I'm not sure how that works, but that amazes me. Uh, they're just buying into the philosophy that awesome offense is better than average defense. Or even good defense. Uh, 
let's see, Milwaukee they won't play, right, in that eight-game season? Correct. Philadelphia they don't play. I think that's about it for me. I don't think anybody else really worries me too much. Heat? Do they play the Heat? I think they do. No. In a scrimmage. Okay, in a scrimmage, now we're good. They don't play the Pacers, do they? No. I can't remember who they have all play. Other than that, I think that's yeah. I think otherwise we're good to go. I think Rory Sanu will be all right. Again, I'm not entirely confident with his defensive aspect. O- offensively, he's good. He's tremendous. He spreads the floor even at his position e- at the four. Yeah, so here, here's who they have in the reset. Okay, New Orleans. Okay. There could be a problem there. Yes. Oklahoma City. We're going to toast them. Los Angeles. Lakers. Lakers. Yes. I'm Excuse worried. Me. I'm at. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely worried. Worry about that. Memphis? No, no. San Antonio? No. Denver? Yeah, it's a good one. I'm not as concerned. You're not as concerned with Roy. We're talking specifically with Roy. Yeah, and just his yeah. defensive assignment. Yes, yes. I don't think I'm don't really think that he'll... concerned. Okay. Uh, Dallas? Yes. And San Antonio again? No. Okay, so we're going to be all right then. I, I think they'll the be Clippers okay. Here. Yeah, we dodged. Dude, when I look at some of these lineups, Eric, we dodged so many bullets, it's ridiculous. We dodged the Kings, but the Kings are kind of falling apart because De'Aaron Fox sprained his ankle, and they had someone leave out of the bubble for a family thing. I want to say it was Barnes. Uh, and then the Pacers we dodged, and they got Doug McDermott. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Malcolm Brogdon's a problem. We Here, dodged the Clippers. Here's the lineup for the Mavericks. Okay. Okay. Seth Curry, okay. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith. Oh, shoot. Luka Doncic, Luka huh? Doncic. Oh, no. And Chris Tapps Porzingis. But hey, it, Chris Tapps big, but... Give me, really give me a matchup with about the other guys. Give me your thoughts on Doncic versus O'Neal. You got an absolute score at any part of the level of the court. I really like that. Really? Yeah, I like that matchup. Uh, who? Why? Who else would you put up against Luka? If if I want, based on his size, ability, and what he can do, Royce O'Neal's the first guy that I would think of to defend him. I just feel like Lukic would put him in a washer and on the spin cycle. What Ryan about Joe is, Smith? By the way, he's six foot seven. Is Joe too slow to guard Luca? No, if he can guard Paul George, he can guard, guard Luca. So it's that's not really a big lineup for Dallas. I think the Jazz can handle that. Who's the biggest problem for you, defensively speaking, of the Jazz? Who's the biggest problem for you guarding? What team? Houston. Really? Just because everybody can hit. Yeah. And if you come out, then they're going to drive to the basket. And they get everything. And they get everything. The book, man. They just know how to attack the Jazz. And the Jazz just have not been able to figure, figure it, out. it out. Even without Clint Capella, you're yeah. still worried? I, well, I think they were getting better Yeah, as, the, as the, the contests against them went on later in the year. I think they were figuring it out better and better. But... Still, there's something about that Houston team that's tough for the Jazz. Uh, yeah. Um, 
how I'm worried. It, by the way, if you're the Lakers, you've lost Rondo, right? Uh, you have your starting lineup is going to be ugly. I mean, besides Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I'm not sure how you look at a lineup with that little depth and expect to be okay. Maybe I'm crazy in saying that, but you've got it with the Lakers, Caruso, KCP, Green, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's a that's a pretty big lineup. It's big, but it's not athletic. You've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you have no depth in the back. Like you're by the way, your bench. You're saying LeBron and Anthony Davis are not athletic? No, I said they are. Oh. I, I said they're not that exception for LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kyle Kuzma on the bench comes off. Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Again, you've got big men, but little athleticism and no depth. Like if you if you're the Lakers, they have you, depth at the power forward or center position, but nothing else. But but you, you got but, but they have depth. Javale McGee, but Dwight it's Javale Howard. McGee, man, it's Javale McGee. <laughs> it is, but Dwight Howard is <laughs> yeah. He's Dwight's like a, a problem. He's had a you know flashback. He's got Absolutely. back in time. Yeah, Dwight's an absolute problem. If you're the Lakers, I'm gonna quiz you here, pop quiz. If you're the Lakers, there's one team that you are praying to the basketball gods not to see in round one. It would be who? Out of that eight seed. Uh, from the West, I, I'd probably say Houston. <laughs> Houston really wants the Lakers. Can you uh, they're imagine? They're very different styles. <laughs> and if they're hitting their shots, man, it could be a really, could really interesting series. Could you imagine Russell Westbrook getting Caruso on him for 48 minutes or early for 40 minutes of basketball? Of the 48. Russell Westbrook would just say, spread out, get out of the way, I'm going one-on-one. And if anybody double teams me, I've got, like you said earlier, I've got shooters all around me. Russell Westbrook is just licking his chops. Chuck it to anybody wearing red and they're going to hit a three. Do you know what the other problem is, though? Is the Blazers. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And by the way, they they get uh, Yurkic back. Versus this team, Damian Lillard's going to average 40 in the playoffs in the first round. Because Caruso, he might have his moments offensively where he's a flash. No way and you know what, that he's going to be able to freaking shut down Damian Lillard. Well, Carmelo Anthony is in the mix for for Portland. That's been seemingly working out okay. Uh, Zach Collins is coming back for Portland. That's a little bit different lineup there. So, Blazers are a team not to be you know, overlooked. Yeah, I again, I don't think the Blazers are out of this by any means of the stretch. And I think the Pelicans can, without Zion, it depends how long Zion's out. If he comes back Tuesday, right? Comes back Tuesday, he's got to sit until the 4th. He's got to quarantine till the 4th of August. If it's any later, it's 5th, 6th, 7th, or 8th, by then they could be out of it completely. That's true. Like it is panic time for the Pelicans because that's your best player and he's going to be out for two weeks now coming back after quarantine. But again, he left for family emergency reasons and he needs to take care of that. Speaking of which, uh, 
uh, Montrez Harrell of the Clippers has also left the bubble for a family emergency. Um, a couple other guys have too. No other really notable ones, it looks like. I haven't seen yet, unless you see anybody. Oh, by the way, James Harden, or no, not James Harden, uh, speaking of Dwight Howard, he got warned for not wearing a mask. And I think the second time you get warned, you have to quarantine, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, by the way, and it came via the... Anonymous tip line? Hey, Howard uh, said- <laughs> I was just looking over my uh, State Farm insurance, and when I looked up for my paperwork, I saw Dwight Howard walking around without a mask on. <laughs> Howard said he was reported by the NBA campus hotline... <laughs> And he's been disciplined for not wearing a mask. Uh, let's see. It's called the Snitch Not Hotline, by the way. By for every for all the NBA players, they call it the Snitch Hotline, which is pretty funny. Uh, they don't have what the policy or I guess the violations is for continuing to not wear a mask. I thought I'd read somewhere that they said that. Oh, it is. It's a ten day quarantine. <laughs> so if he gets caught again, he's he's out for ten days. So what I would do, if I was at Snitch, I wait for ten days. Day before the game, hey, I found him again, not wearing a mask. You don't need cameras. I already found him. <laughs> he's eating a cheeseburger right now. No mask outside. Uh, yeah, dude, that's just um, that just blows my mind. That whole entire thing. All right, uh, <laughs> uh let's take a break. Uh, MLB baseball, Eric, it's coming up. Camp start, or no, sorry. NFL camp starts on Monday. Baseball starts a week from today. Hooray! I can't wait. It's getting closer. Uh, Washington Redskins are in some serious hot water. The Washington team? Oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Thank you for uh, letting me know. Uh, Washington, the NFL football team, is in serious hot water. Um... And it's not looking good for Mr. Snyder. It has nothing to do with mascots. Yeah, not this time. So we'll get into that. We'll get into some NFL news and notes before they begin camp on Monday. Baseball starts next Thursday. We'll also get into some news on them. But now it is time for This Week in the NFL. I'm Patrick Claibon with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. NFL Network's Tom Pellicero reporting the NFL sent the Players Association a counterproposal on the economics of the 2020 season amid the COVID-19 pandemic. That counterproposal would cut each team's salary cap and benefits for players by $40 million. Tom says the union would like a solution that doesn't involve such a significant hit in one year, preferring instead to stretch that hit out over multiple years. Another part of the NFL's proposal, any player may opt out of the 2020 season with written notice by August 1st. The Washington Post, implicating multiple former employees of Washington, D.C.'s NFL franchise of sexual harassment and verbal abuse, in a story that was published on Thursday. Fifteen women came forward as sources, including former employees as well as journalists. The team has hired a law firm to launch a thorough investigation. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvason. You don't take a great QB and say, you know what, why don't you go play defense and play safety? Worked out for Eric Weddle. 
That was a different animal. Eric, don't put Eric Weddle in this conversation. Now, when I say- I'm not suggesting that that could be you, the case. Just that Weddle was- He came in as a quarterback no. and got converted to another position. Piranhas, let's keep it going. And he had a nice Eric career said, doing it. Shelly's next Weddle. No, keep it up, Piranhas. No, I love it. Weddle. I'm going to use that as my promo. Oh, my and God. And you are going to hear it. Shelly is the next Weddle, quote-unquote. Tune in weekdays at 4 here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Five minutes to get you through the Friday and to get you ready for a weekend. Baseball begins a week from today. NFL camp begins on Monday. We're getting closer, folks. We are getting closer. Again, Utah Jazz basketball. Their scrimmages will be broadcasted on AT&T. We won't have them on our station uh, due to a variety of reasons. But don't you worry. Don't fret. Don't scream. Don't yell. We'll have the eight regular season resumption games on our station. 106 FM, 1390 AM with David Locke. Again, those TV broadcasted scrimmages will be on AT&T Sportsnet. So tune into those with Craig Bullerjack, who does a phenomenal job. Um, and uh, watch the scrimmages, get some takeaways from it. We will do the same. And uh, Oh, and a reminder, by the way, also a week from today, we will not have a show as we celebrate Pioneer Day here in the state of Utah. Which Really, there are, aren't any celebrations going on, but we'll take the day off. That's true, yeah. We'll okay. celebrate by hanging okay. out in the backyard and... Hey, uh, yeah. a cold beverage. You want me to come over? I don't. I mean, I always think I could bring some brats over. We could hang out, grill, talk sports. You know, maybe watch some uh, baseball. I didn't say I was going to be doing that in my backyard. Well, you got a pretty big backyard. You think I? No, um, actually, no, it's not. It's too small. Really? Yeah, we wouldn't have room. Oh, okay. Uh, let's get back to some baseball news. Again, they begin next week. Uh, here is the one question that it would take for everybody to, to want to understand is from Jeff Passan of ESPN. What would it take to, uh, to shut baseball down, right? There is no line that is drawn in the sand, Jason. And, and that's the confusing part about it, the teams. You know, it, it's up to Rob Manfred, essentially. Rob Manfred has the, the mandate and the ability to shut down the season at any point. But uh, he has not said, nor has anyone at Major League Baseball, that this is going to be where I shut down the season. If, uh, you know, one team gets a dozen coronavirus cases and can't field uh, a representative uh, and competitive squad, is that going to be it? Is it going to take multiple teams? How exactly is this whole thing going to be determined? They don't know. And and that's another layer of confusion that's added to this whole thing. And he brings up a great point. What do What is it going to take to shut down the baseball season, Eric? Is it just one team being shut down, or is that to be multiple teams? Well, they've been very – coy to to not set any specific line in the sand if you will they're they're being very careful because they don't know uh attitudes may shift uh protocols may shift so they're being very careful not to to expressly say when if we reach this specific threshold things have to change or we have to shut things down just for i mean 
really quickly, what is it for football, like college? What would it take to have, if they have a football season, what would be the one thing that would shut it down? Would it have to be a conference or would it just be a team? To shut the whole thing down? Yeah. Probably a team. Okay. Okay. But I don't know. If everybody's just doing conference only, you could have the full SEC play their full games and say there's an outbreak in the Air Force Academy and uh, they're out. The other Mountain West teams just continue to play their games. Just that game was a forfeit for Air Force or just a non no contest. You still play the rest of your games. You just have an extra bye week. That's a uh, that's a good point. I don't know. I think you still play. All right, let's take one more break and we'll clean it up for Friday and get you ready for the freaking week. Washington in hot water, and it's nothing to do with the logo. Coming back on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and LJ Salveson, let's go ahead and just get the music out of here. We'll move on. Uh, Eric, dance. You want me to sing? You want me to do the music? No, it's okay. Oh, good. Speaking of wanting to get out of here, uh, Dan Snatter is in some extremely hot water, Eric. And as you said, it has nothing to do with the mascot this time. Yeah, a lot of uh, sexual uh, innuendo and sexual harassment allegations going around with that Washington team. Even, and it's not just by women either, um, that uh, there's a lot of, of, of bullying behavior going on. But 15 women came forward, spoke to the Washington Post. And uh, saying that they had they had signed non-disclosure agreements with the team, saying that there was uh, um, just it was reprehensible. So Snyder released a statement today saying, you know, that has no place in our franchise and our society. We're going to strengthen our resolve to be better, have a new culture and a new standard. Uh, he hasn't exactly been a bastion of of a, of a great leader, showing leading by example on this. However, it's just. A lot of bad things. I just I wonder, will this get to the point where, like the NBA did to, uh, um, gosh, now I can't think of his name, guy that owned the Clippers. Oh, Don Sterling. Sterling, where they just they found an easy excuse to get him out and find a new owner. Will they do something similar with the uh, with Snyder and the and the Washington team? It's been the full court press. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is above the noise. The way pro sports works, owning a franchise isn't a right for life. It's a privilege. Owners have to answer to other owners and the leagues. We've seen several examples of owners losing their teams. Marge Schott and the Cincinnati Reds, Donald Sterling with the Clippers, Jerry Richardson with the Panthers. Yesterday, the Washington Post released a report on allegations of sexual harassment made by 15 women who worked for the team. They described a work environment that was completely toxic. There's a lot more information to come out, but the team has already fired multiple employees. Now owner Daniel Snyder comes into focus. Although he's not directly implicated in the article, there is a degree of responsibility at the top. There's also a lot going on right now because of the pandemic. But I would hope that each NFL owner and the commissioner listen to what these women are saying and be prepared to take action commensurate with how serious the allegations are. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.